If you ever want to have an interesting conversation with a group of pastors, ask them about the meanest Christian they've ever known, because everyone will have a story. And why is that? I mean, you think of Christians, followers of Jesus, church people as being nice and kind and loving, but the truth of the matter is that not everybody who goes to church has had their hearts changed by Jesus. They might go out of habit, they might go because they have control issues or whatever, but there's kind of a dividing line. I remember a couple that was in our church and they were both professional people and she was really highly engaged and he was just always on the fringes. Friendly enough guy, but just didn't seem to be connected like his wife. And one day his wife was talking about they were having some sort of marital disagreement or, or negotiations or something like that. And she brought up how important the church was to her. And she said her husband was shocked and looked at her and said, you really buy that stuff? I thought you were just going there for business connections. And that's why he was. So different people hang out around the church for different things and everybody's got a story about somebody who doesn't really characterize Jesus. And maybe that's why Jesus says, at the end times there's gonna be a lot of people who say, Lord, Lord, and I'm gonna say, I never really knew you. So we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount for a couple of weeks now and talking about the Jesus way for even longer than that. And along the way, we've been tackling the conventional wisdom. And Jesus has been talking about the community that he's creating that's made up of people who've been dramatically changed on the inside. And that's been the emphasis, because unless you're changed on the inside, then Christianity is really just a bunch of rules that you have to follow, and it ends up with some people being not very nice and other people being really proud of their spirituality. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. And in today's sermon, we begin a new part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, before, Jesus was talking about the community, and now he's going to talk about two ways that we can get tripped up as we try to follow him into this new community that he is creating. And the two ways that we tend to get tripped up are in caring too much what other people think about us and caring too much about money. So today we're going to talk about caring too much about what people think about us, and next week we'll talk about money. So today we're going to be reading two different sections out of Matthew chapter 6. So first Matthew 6, 1 through 8, and then 16 through 18. Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Then drop down to verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. 
Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So even though this is a different portion of the sermon, there's still this similar pattern that Jesus uses. When you do this, giving, praying, fasting, some people do it like this. That's the conventional wisdom, the way that it's always been done. And then Jesus says, but when you do it, and then he shows another way, the way that happens in the kingdom of God. So he's still contrasting the two, just with a slightly different pattern. So the overall guidance is in verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So here's the issue right up front that Jesus is addressing. Do you care more about what people think or what God thinks. And the issue is, do you specifically do things to be seen by them? Now, this is the same type of thing as when we talked about lust. You can have thoughts about it, things can pop into your mind, but that's not sin. It's when you intentionally go, I am going out to objectify another person. That's when your intent enters in and it becomes sinful and wrong. So it's the same thing with this. You, you can't, you know, sometimes avoid being seen when you're praying. That's not what he's talking about. It's, is your intent, I am going to pray, I'm going to give, I'm going to fast so that other people noticed me. So it's back to that intent thing. I'm doing this so that other people see me do it and they're impressed by how spiritual I am. Because sometimes people will see you do those things. So Jesus is going towards what your motivation is, what your intent is. Are you motivated to impress people or are you motivated to follow and love God? Uh, Oz Guinness, the uh, British philosopher, coined this great phrase when he was talking about Puritans in uh, North America. And he said that the Puritans played to an audience of one. And the idea behind that was that everything, and I'm sure this was at their best, that everything in their lives they did as if there was only one person who was paying attention to, one person that they needed to please, and that was God. So I kind of like that idea, and I like the thought of thinking in my life, who am I playing to? Am I playing to the crowd? Am I playing to people that I want to impress? Or is it an audience of one that I'm playing to? Is it really God that I'm looking to? to please as I choose things to do and things to say. And what Jesus is saying is that if you care more about playing to the crowd, if you care more about what people think, then you've got your reward when people go, wow, you really are amazing, spiritual, whatever. And now Jesus is going to give three examples. And the three examples that he picks, giving, praying, and fasting, are generally assumed to be behaviors that people did at least at that point in time. So this is conventional wisdom, this is what people did, but Jesus is going towards motivation. So the first is giving. When you give to the needy, this is verse two, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Notice that Jesus says, when, not if. When you give. Because as we saw last week, it's just assumed that people who follow Jesus are going to be generous people. So giving is assumed. 
but how you give is what Jesus is getting at. It talks about don't be like the hypocrites, don't announce it with trumpets. That's a bit of hyperbole because nobody really blew a trumpet before they gave to get everyone's attention. Even back then they would have thought that was weird. What it is is to draw the contrast. These people might as well blow a trumpet because they want to make sure that everyone sees what they're doing. But the key phrase is that they're giving to be honored by others. Uh, Davies and Allison wrote a commentary on Matthew for the International Critical Commentary, and I loved what they say about this verse. They were not giving, but buying. They wanted the praise of men, and they paid for it. So there's a huge difference between giving money in order to be honored by other people and getting honored by others for giving money. And it's that difference that Jesus is addressing. I mean, if you give money to an organization, I think the organization should say thank you. And sometimes that means they put your name on a plaque or on a postcard or something like that. Because if they don't say thank you, you probably won't give again. But there's a difference between wanting the plaque and having that be a byproduct of, of what you gave. I remember in a, a church that I pastored before, this uh, culture kind of got a hold where everybody would give money, but they gave it because we put a brass plaque on everything. It was just crazy. I'm like, doesn't anybody ever give money just because it's the right thing to do? And we finally put a stop to it one day when I was standing near something, I don't even remember what it was, and it was a piece of art and somebody was admiring it. And a person came by and said, oh, our family gave that. And I thought, and that's what you live for. So that people could go, oh my gosh, isn't, aren't you wonderful? So we quit putting up brass plaques because people were giving because we put their name on it, not because it was the right thing to do. So Jesus is like, don't be like that. And then he talks about how that's what the hypocrites do. I think this is interesting. Most linguistic scholars believe that Jesus single is single-handedly responsible for bringing the word hypocrite into the English language. The thing, if Jesus hadn't used it, we never would have had that word in our language. It all goes back to Jesus. Now, in its original form during the time of Jesus, hypocrite was the word for an actor. They were a person who was playing a role. It's not who they really were. And of course, then it's developed an even more negative connotation to mean someone who says something that they don't actually do, where their actions are not constant with their claimed beliefs. Jesus is saying, don't play act. Don't put on a show if that's not who you really are. Uh, we had some people in a previous church that I pastored, and we were going through and making sure, it's probably the end of the year, we we're making sure that everybody got their giving letter. And so I asked this one lady, I said, hey, did you get your giving letter? And she said, no, we don't want a giving letter. We don't pay by check. We just put cash in the offering because we don't want the applause of men. We want to give just as unto the Lord. And I bit my cheek as hard as I could because I knew how much cash that we put in that we got every single week. And basically, they were giving cash not because they didn't want people to know how much they were giving, but because they didn't want people to know how little they were giving. Um, they weren't giving money because they wanted to honor God. They were giving money because they were cheap and they didn't want anyone to know that. So I'm like, okay, let's just be honest. Why don't you just say to me, look, we're not really going to give. We're going to take advantage of everything that the church offers, but contributing isn't really our thing. I can at least respect you being upfront about that, but don't pretend. 
Don't be a hypocrite. Don't play act if that's not who you are. Don't be someone who's just playing at be, uh, being a Jesus follower. One, people will see right through that. And two, so will Jesus. And he says, truly I tell you, they've, rece they've received their reward in full. This is an important present tense in Greek, and it comes across a little bit differently. It says they are having their reward, and I like that. Because you can see, you know, they give their check and people go, oh my gosh, you are so generous. In that moment, they're having their reward. And it's important that it's in present tense because there ain't going to be anything else. And then Jesus makes the contrast. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, we think when Jesus is talking about that, when he's saying that about not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that he's talking about a level of secrecy. But I don't think that's it. Because how do you not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing? Because as soon as you start to think, don't let my left hand know, all you'll think about is your left hand. So let's see if I can make some sense of this. The other day I was getting dressed and I sat down to tie my shoes. And as I was tying my shoes, I realized that I don't know how to do it. Neither my left hand nor my right hand knows what they're doing. They just do it. It's just muscle memory. And I realized that if I stopped and thought about it, I was absolutely paralyzed. If I had to explain to you how to tie shoes, I'd be at a loss. Tying shoes is just so ingrained in me, it's who I am. I am a shoe tire. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at. That giving to needy people should just be reflexive, not something that you have to think about. So maybe you think, well, there's so much need, I can't give to all of it. Well, most of us aren't really in the category of being tapped out when it comes to generosity, but I get it. So you can't meet everybody's needs, but pick one or two, pick a couple. Be a generous person. Make it just second nature to who you are because of what Jesus has done for you. A couple of weeks ago, we had a dinner for Alaska after our annual meeting, and it was great, and the purpose of it was a fundraiser. And I happened to be sitting with Alan Forsman, one of our consultants who's been with us for forever. And as soon as Mike Hagan said, we're going to take an offering, Alan, who's not a part of our church, I don't know if he's ever been to Alaska or is, you know, is into that ministry, whips out his wallet. And he's like, I want to contribute to that. I want to be a part of that. That's the type of thing that Jesus is talking about. There's a need. I got a couple bucks. I'm going to give to that because that's who I am. And then Jesus says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Giving and most of our spiritual disciplines is something between us and God. You do this thing because you love God. And there is, there's a reward for that. And what's the reward? Well, some denominations will tell you it's more money and health and wealth and prosperity, but I don't think that's it. I think it's joy. I think what you get, the reward for giving, is joy. Those of us that live with this mindset of scarcity have never or rarely experienced the joy of changing someone else's life by giving to them. I think that's the reward. And then the next example is prayer. Verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. It's the same thing. Look how spiritual they are. 
Don't they pray magnificently? It's much the same problem as before. And Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Much the same. But then Jesus goes on to add a few things about prayer. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then the Lord's Prayer follows that. We're going to talk about that next week. But there's a lot here about prayer and a lot that's been misunderstood. So prayer is personal, and different ways of praying work for different people. But here's the wrong way to read what Jesus is talking about, all of which I have heard people say. Never pray in public, only pray in private. Don't pray long prayers, only pray, pray short prayers. All your prayers should be spontaneous and from the heart. Any sort of written prayer or traditional prayer is just babbling and shouldn't be used. You don't need to ask God for anything because God already knows. Now, you might feel strongly about one or two of those things, and you might do things that way, and that's fine. But it's not really what Jesus is talking about here. Because here's the reality. Jesus was a faithful Jew. He prayed certain prayers at certain times every single day of his life. And then, in the very next breath after this, Jesus leaves us a prayer and says, pray this prayer. And that's why we pray it every Sunday, because Jesus said to. And in another teaching on prayer, he says, keep asking, wear God down with your persistence. So what's going on? And that's why context is king, because he's, com he's combating prayer as a show versus prayer as a relationship. Because ultimately, I think prayer is just about opening up our lives before God. Not much more, not much less. And how should prayer actually be done? My favorite prayer quote from a guy named Dom Chapman, pray as you can, not as you can't. Whatever works for you, but just make it something that's between you and God, not something that's a show. Sometimes people will see that's not the issue. Verse 16, the next issue is fasting. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Fasting. Pretty common in that day and time. And they were doing it so that everyone would know that they were fasting. They wanted to make it plain. So they're probably wearing sackcloth. They've poured ashes on their head. They're rending their clothes so that everybody goes, oh my gosh, look how holy they are. And Jesus is like, don't do that. If you do that, and people go, look how holy you are, you are having your reward. But this whole idea of fasting is worth a couple of comments. It's just assumed that we do it. It's in this trilogy that Jesus picks up. Now, to fast is to take a break from things that distract us from God. Now, I've noticed, and I've said this before, that in any situation, when you introduce food, the food takes precedence. And I know I've said before that I can't tell you how many meetings or church services I've been in the process of really good stuff. And the meeting is still going on, and lunch arrives, and people are walking around going, who had the turkey? I'm like, the turkey can't wait for five minutes? But the answer is no. Food takes precedence. And sometimes we need to realize that other things in our lives have begun to take precedence over God. 
And fasting is an opportunity for us to take a break from things that distract us from God and to create some space for God that's being filled with those other things. So it doesn't have to be a food fast, although maybe a food fast would be a good thing occasionally. It doesn't have to be 40 days like Jesus, but it could be lunch on Tuesday. Or you might want to do something like a social media fast. The idea is that when you fast, the reason that you're doing it is to create space for God and to give you a chance to refocus. Richard Foster, in his seminal work, Celebration of Discipline, writes, More than any other single discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us, and it helps us see where we've become unbalanced. So like these other things that Jesus notes, the purpose is to draw us closer to God, not to draw attention to us from other people. Because if attention is what you're looking for, that's all you're going to get. But instead, you could have life transformation. And once again, it's not a series of laws that Jesus is laying down. Jesus, Jesus is describing a type of person and challenging us to be the type of person who's free from being controlled what other people, by what other people think of us. So let me ask you three questions. Number one, how would playing to an audience of one affect how you live your life? Number two, what role does impressing people play in your life? And number three, how are you becoming the type of person that Jesus describes in this passage? Hi, thanks for watching. The people of Harbor Covenant Church really want you to know the love that God has for you, want to grow with you in faith, and want to serve alongside you, not only to help others do the same, but also to make our families and our communities better. If that sounds like something that you can get on board with, then like, follow, and drop us a comment in the video. Watch some more videos on our channel or come visit us on Sunday. You can find out more about Harbor Covenant Church at harborcove.church.